Your boredom is over, but we are just getting started here on most shows recapped here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by the heat wave to my captain, Cold Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, what's going on? Hello, how are you? I'd rather be Captain Cold than Heatwave, though. I'm a big Captain Cold guy. Of course, me too. But I'm actually in, like, the freezing cold right now. As we are recording this, it is blizzarding in New York, and you're in Kentucky, where it is not snowing so much. Also, I do have a gun that shoots fire. Yeah, that's also that's also the case. We are joined here by a very special guest today. He is the man we talk to whenever we're talking about superheroes. Kevin Mahadeo, what's going on, Kevin? What's up, you poor, poor, freezing cold man? Like, I, <laughs> I saw uh, the weather report, and I was like, "Ooh, this is one of those times where I'm like, glad I'm not in New York anymore." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sad that you left me behind in New York, but uh, I still would not be seeing you today because I am shut in all day. I will not be seeing any human beings today. Yeah, mo- yeah, that's what I saw, man. Like most people are just locked in. There's like hardcore blizzard coming. That's just ooh. It's here. It's here. It's uh, snow blizzard. Jonas cooks cooks a cooks a mean. Uh, sushi meal yeah and do you cook sushi can we talk about that but you anyway could sear sushi yeah you could sear sushi, you could sear I, guess sushi. Right. I had some there's also sushi tempura you can tempura it you can tempura it yeah. uh yeah so that's what's going on in my neck of the woods how are you guys doing today antonio how are you i'm disappointed that i'm not under uh the snowstorm jonas here i was really hopeful for it i bought all the milk and bread at the local grocery store and then i was gonna you know go mad max style on it and become a warlord with the milk and bread how is that community. different from any day of the week though all you ever do is you just go to the store and hoard all of their milk and bread you've told <laughs> me true. this many times I, I've, I've been trying to be a warlord for ever since mad max uh, was re-released this yeah. new reboot yeah I'm, I'm a big immortan joe fan josh immortan antonio <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah that's pretty that's pretty good kevin what's going on with you we haven't checked in with you since we ended our jessica jones recaps how's everything going with you kevin uh things are are going good uh, things are going good out here i will say um i went to yosemite uh i went to a cabin in the woods and it was terrifying oh man and just uh i i is not a thing for me uh my girlfriend <sighs> somehow convinced me to try skiing even though i was adamant i don't want to because i do not belong on skis on the snow and uh, uh i was right i was right i did not belong on there it did not go well for me what happened to you uh, a lot of falls, a lot of head hits. Just it, it was it was a bad scene. It's I, um, not worth it. It's not worth it's it. Not. It was not like I we joked before I left um, about like cool runnings because, you know, my family's Caribbean um, and it's like, oh, cool runnings is about like people on the ice. And I was just like that movie ended with them crashing their bobsled <laughs> and having to walk across the finish line. Well, the best part is like my Kevin, trip legit dead ended with that. Huh? You dead man. <sighs> I, yeah, exactly. You know, um, yeah, I, if she knew the movie, I wanted her to ask that question, but she didn't. <laughs> but I legit wiped out on the like on the slope and could not get back up. I had to take off my skis and walk back down the mountain. Cool running style. It was halfway down the mountain before I realized like prophecy fulfilled. I'm cool running thing right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is my that is my Yosemite uh, trip right there. There's other parts I love the skiing. Not so much. So we, yeah. we all you had a bad experience with with snow as well. Yes. Uh, snow has snow has been a bane of a couple of our existences right now. It seems I haven't skied since I was in fifth grade. I used to ski a lot with my what? family. You skied. <laughs> yeah, I know. Believe it or not. Uh, this guy skied. I skied a lot as a kid and then in fifth grade on my very first ever attempt at a black diamond i got wiped out by a snowboarder and had to be taken down the mountain in a sled and uh, i have have, like these like ridiculously bent ski poles as a souvenir and i've never touched the slopes again but i kind of want to do it i want to i kind of want to give another shot 
Oh, is man. there a park slope somewhere near you? <laughs> yeah, there is a park slope somewhere <laughs> near me in Canadian New York. Yeah. Uh, I bet you could ski there right now. It would probably be uh, a black diamond down 9th Street. Uh, but we're, we're veering far, far off course. Though we are tripping down memory lane, which is appropriate because we are mostly talking about Legends of Tomorrow today. Here on Mo Show's Recap, we'll talk about a couple of other superhero shows as well. Agent Carter premiered this past week. And Heroes Reborn wrapped up. So no one better to talk to about this stuff than Kevin Mahadeo. Rob Sestrino is taking a seat on the bench this week superheroes not really his thing uh so we'll we'll let him we'll let him take a take a rest but we're going to talk about all that stuff this week and it's really fun because the last time we had kevin mahadeo on the show was back in i want to say like october or november uh that it had been a while since we've had him on on Moshe's recap but back then we were talking about flash and arrow and why you guys should watch those shows and at least antonio mazzaro took his recommendation yeah, man. Uh, I started plowing through them, and I was beating a steady pace, if you will, throughout the first couple of seasons of Arrow. But then I really stepped up my game the last couple of weeks, and I'm now current on both shows, uh, all the way through the episode 10s of uh, the most recently aired uh, comeback from the mid-season break. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm, all right. so spe- I'm, I got hyped. I stay hyped. Speaking, speaking vaguely about both shows, then, give us your hot take on Arrow and give us your hot take on Flash. Well, I, I think that Arrow being in its fourth season, there's a little more weight to it. Uh, there are more characters. There's more service that needs to be done. It's a little bit bloated by that in that respect. Uh, they, you know, I think that, and I'm curious to kind of talk to Kevin a little bit about it. Kevin? Because, Kevin, yeah. because, I'm, uh, because, I'm, because I have a feeling a lot of what they're doing may be comic book stories or arcs from different parts of different series, and as a result they are kind of stuck with some of the choices that they've made or paying service to that. And as a result, the story's getting a little bloated. But um, Flash may be headed in that direction as well. I'm still enjoying both very much, but there are a lot of characters. And so it makes sense, I think, to create a spinoff show with a a lot of the sort of side characters from both shows uh, and really put them all in one show to sort of take them out of the main story of, of both shows and maybe lighten the load a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Kevin, look, you've, you've, uh, you've influenced at least one person. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad my, my words have power. Like, <laughs> I'm glad that that worked out. I, I even, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big, uh, supporter of Flash and Arrow. Um, and so I'm really glad you, uh, it, that's what I feel like people I've talked to and tried to like say to watch it, they end up binging pretty hard. Um, especially I think, I think once Flash hits, like once Flash, you know, start watching that, they really just delve in, um, super speed style. Uh, and, it's funny you mentioned the comic book storylines because actually they don't follow a lot of comic book storylines um, and like kind of do their own thing. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But that's that's storytelling for you, I guess. You know, um, uh, the Flash stuff I, I've, I've been really liking. I think the the stuff they're doing this season with Zoom is great. Um, he's terrifying. Uh, there's one episode in particular this season where I was just like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's really awesome stuff. But they they really just take the characters and kind of take the idea of them and, and shape their own story to try to fit into the world that they have for the TV show. So there's, I'm trying to think there's nothing I can really point to to be like, Oh yeah, this adapted this story. Um, from yeah, the I'm, I, I would be interested to talk a little more deeply about that. Not in a realm where I don't want to spoil too much, but right. um, I mean, there are Lazarus pits that are in play uh, in, I have, I'm a big Batman fan and, uh, and having read several different Batman comic arcs, of course the Lazarus pit comes into play and, that can be a dangerous thing when it comes to stakes because then is a character ever really dead, uh, you know, so forth and so on. But I think they've done a pretty good job in the instances where that has come into play of showing the stakes with that and 
and really making it so that um, it so that it, it's not something that you know you can count on happening. But it just seems like characters are never dead on Arrow, especially. Uh, but they're I think they're find, finding more creative ways to deal with that scenario on Flash when you have actors who really stand out and you don't want to limit them to just one season uh, or one kind of small arc. They find ways to bring people back a little more creatively in Flash. But Arrow, it just seems like no one's ever dead on that show uh, with like maybe one or two exceptions. Uh, <laughs> and I think that, that is, exactly, that's exactly who I was thinking about. So yeah. um, I think that makes it a little more difficult to play with. But I think that they've, I think they're cognizant of that and are trying to address some of the aspects of that for sure. Yeah. Yo, go go for it, Kevin. If you got a thought, I was gonna say. I mean, like the you know, the, there's a there's a flash forward of sorts on Arrow, and um, no spoilers. I'm hoping that's not you know not a cop out. I hope they actually have something big about that because yeah. it seems like that could have major repercussions moving forward. And I'm hoping it's an actual actual thing and not a not a fake. All right, so we'll get we'll get into some some more Arrow Flash specifics along the way. But the point is, those shows are great. You guys should be watching them. If you didn't listen to to Kevin on most shows recapped a few months ago, you should go back into the archives. Postshowrecaps.com slash MSR iTunes. You can find that podcast from the fall. Uh, and I would also recommend that you watch both Arrow and The Flash before you tune into Legends of Tomorrow. Otherwise, you are going to have no idea what the heck is going on on, yeah. on this new show, this new superhero show that is just debuted airing on Thursday nights on the CW. The CW now has three nights in a row of superhero action. Uh, the Flash on Tuesdays, Arrow on Wednesdays, and now Legends of Tomorrow on Thursdays. We'll get into um, a little bit of the reasons why you really have to watch those shows first before you really get into Legends. But let's just talk about it generally first. And Kevin, as best as you can, to somebody who hasn't watched both of those shows, could you describe what Legends of Tomorrow even is? Yeah. Um, man, I Difficult assignment. It is. It is. It's, uh, it's, uh, if, you, if someone has ever seen the show Sliders from the old Fox Jerry O'Connell show, it's very similar to a certain extent. But essentially, Legends of Tomorrow is a group of different superpowered characters coming together to save the space-time continuum. Uh, that, is a, that is the hard sell, I feel like, which is which I feel like is a hard sell. I, I, I can't imagine what it must have been like to be the people selling that to a studio. Like, here are these characters that are random superhero characters, and they're going to tra- <clears throat> travel through time, and uh, in the future, in the past, and uh, they're going to fight you know, other bad guys, and there's going to be a lot of time travel. I mean, people had trouble with Lost, and I feel like this is going to be even no more. No one had trouble like, with Lost. I mean, <laughs> Miles did. <Stop. laughs> he had to have Hurley explain Stop. everything over and Stop. over again. Uh, yeah, it, it is tough. You're right, Kevin, because there's going to be there. I mean, but on the other hand, and, and I, I'm very curious to have you speak to this, Kevin. How much is this a little bit like Doctor Who? Like there, there's I was waiting for someone to say it. Uh, Wasn't going to be me. <laughs> there's clearly the connection uh, with with Arthur Darvel, right? The, the kind yes. Of guy, yes. Um, it's okay. So, like, my girlfriend and I were talking about this when we watched it because we both were just kind of like, mm, because it's not just it's not just similar. It's like Arthur Darvel's Rip Hunter is pretty much just I don't want to say a Doctor Who ripoff, but he is very much. Uh, like just of rip that hunter same. off yeah rip hunter off like on one hand we were just like oh you know that's not very original but on the other hand we we're like we both really love doctor who so we like it um but like it's it, like the whole thing where it's like oh a time master's council i'm like that's not 
what time masters you mean time they're the time lords they're gallifreyans uh he steals a a time travel device which is the same thing the doctor does uh like the way he acts and the way he talks is very doctor who like there's a lot you know of how he mannerisms which he speaks uh when he showed up with that ship and they talked about cloaking. We just looked at each other and was like, are they going to do the whole thing where it just changes its shape based on the era they're in? Like, that's just straight. And I feel like maybe they wanted to do that. And then someone was like, God, no, no, too much, too much, too much. <laughs> We're going to get called so hard on that one. Um, but yeah, it's it's very, very similar to Doctor Who. It's almost like they were like, well, we can't cast one of the former doctors. But what if we cast someone who was a companion who definitely knows how to act like the doctor? And I don't know. Like, again, on one hand, it's very weird because it's not really Rip Hunter from the comics. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, man, I'm going to watch more Doctor Who type things. So well, well, I'm so all for it. You're, you're saying a lot of Doctor who stuff that's going straight over my head. I've, I've tried to watch a little bit of Doctor Who. I have been unsuccessful. One of these days, maybe I'll give it a shot. Antonio, I, I think that it's a similar boat for you where you're not super well versed in Doctor Who. That's right. I mean, I'm, I'm not, it's not like I've said, I'm not a total Whovian. I've watched several different episodes with several different doctors and right. uh, kind of know the general setup. So I recognized, even as a non real non Whovian, I recognized the parallels and the, the uniqueness uh, or lack thereof and some of the time kind of things. Of course, if you're kind of playing with time, I, I feel like there are going to be just the natural comparisons. I mean, you could also make comparisons to quantum leap you could make comparisons to other shows that the, the highlander kind of series that was on tv for a while uh, i had some vibes of that as well because you're trying to kill an immortal and uh so forth and so on so i think anytime you get in this genre you're already in a kind of a tv heavy populated realm where they've been great kind of uh, serialized shows that that do this over and over but yeah the the who force was strong with this one for sure but i think you know it speaks to something that's you know both compelling about the show if you're a certain type of viewer and probably a big turnoff uh if you're another type of viewer and that's talking about people who've stuck with this dc tv universe versus the people who are completely brand new to it um you know there's already elements of time travel and so much mystery and so much you know that you have to wrap your head around of like butterfly effects and how what are the mechanics of this? What what gets changed? What doesn't? That's a lot to wrap your head around on a basic time travel show anyway. But Legends of Tomorrow, as you gave the, the very concise hard sell, Kevin, stars a bunch of these heroes who are from The Flash and Arrow, who are characters that we have met on both of those shows, Arrow being into its fourth season right now, The Flash being into its second, and now we are starring, you know, there's, this is a show that is starring, I think, like eight of those of those characters. Um, so how, wh- what's your take on this, Antonio? Do you think that this is an impossible show to get into if you haven't watched Flash and Arrow, or do you think that there are things, based on what you saw in that first episode, that you could latch onto if you had never seen those shows before? Uh, I think that I think the latter actually. I do think that the show is uh, infinitely better having seen kind of the arc of all these people. Uh, there, especially Sarah Lance, like that. That's a character that I don't really know that you can do justice to whole, her whole story by just having her show up and kind of be a badass fighter in a 1970s bar fight. Even though it's an awesome scene, uh, you can't really do justice to everything she's been done and seen. Uh, the the rogues, it's a little easier, I think, with Captain Cold and uh, with people that, you know, they're just sort of less, uh, there's less kind of layers to those characters. And so that's fine. And I, so overall, I think that you can you can enjoy it. But I think it's much better for having seen the series. It is interesting, though, because I struggle with this personally with a lot of these shows. 
shows. And I was a, a big fan of your guys, Jessica Jones podcast. So I think it's the fourth episode. Uh, Kevin and I were, were more on the same page than you, Josh, where uh, one of the, where Jessica Jones, and I'm not going to spoil too much, comes into uh, contact with somebody who has a real issue with superheroes and a real problem. And that problem doesn't really stem from anything that's happened on Jessica Jones. It comes from the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, right. what's happened in Daredevil, things like that. I appreciate when these shows do, it, uh, do work to situate their viewers in the context of all, only that particular show. Because I think it's a great task to assume that every viewer is going to have watched and or read, uh, in the case where comics come into play, everything that really matters in the context of each individual show. So I think that it's a difficult task for Legends of Tomorrow to do fan service to the Flaro crowd, to the people who really like both of those shows, and the people who might just be tuning into this one and this one only. Uh, and so far, I think it's just, you know, you're, you're talking about a one part of a two-part pilot. And I think this pilot has to do a little bit of the heavy lifting in that regard. Uh, and, and to a very degree of success, I think it does a little bit of that. Kevin, what's your take on this? I mean, it, it might be hard for you to get objective because not only do you know these shows so well, but you are a deep cut comic dude. You are, you know, one of the deepest cut comic dudes that I know, especially with DC lore. You're always my go to guy for what the heck is going on in the DC universe. Yeah, what's I don't, crisis? Yeah, because I don't know it very well. I'm a Marvel guy. Um, so, so what's your take? Do you think that this is a show that people could crack into without knowing Flash and Arrow very well? You know, it, it's. I was actually thinking about that a lot myself, um, and I will say. Uh, completely objectively, I think we'll definitely find out uh, with next week's ratings because this week apparently it beat ABC in ratings. Like CW beat ABC. That's bananas. Um, but that's awesome. But uh, if if those if those ratings continue next week, I think it did a good job then because I think people who were confused would bail, um, but the people who weren't would stay. That all said, I think you know. I think people can come into the show not having watched Flash and Arrow and they'll be fine. Um, I think looking at superhero shows now, especially, especially shows based in Marvel and DC, it's almost like if you're a viewer turning in, I think mentally part of you already has a, am I going to be lost thought in your head? Right. Cause you're like, Oh, these are characters from comics. They're like, it's a spinoff. Do I have to have watched a spinoff? So it's almost like, subconsciously i feel like sometimes you end up looking for reasons to be confused like who's that character why did just introduce him um whereas if this was just a regular show just a show that 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 you know was not connected to anything i think they did a pretty decent job of introducing who these characters are yeah they're from other stuff but we don't need to know their whole backstory you don't need to know all that stuff those things get spelt out if it was any other show to get spelt out throughout the course of the show you know as a character arc and i think that's the thing. I think they do a good job of that, of introducing the characters without being too much, you know, like, oh, let's be really exposition heavy about who they are. They treat it really as its own entity. And I think they did accomplish that pretty well. Um, I think some people are going to be maybe looking to be like, well, I don't know who this Hawkman Hawkgirl is. And, you know, my response is, well, if this wasn't a spinoff, you wouldn't ask that question. You would be like, okay, these are two characters that are in here. I'm sure I'm going to find out about them as the story goes on. All right. But that's my take. Yeah, I feel like, you know, characters like Firestorm and the mechanics of Firestorm and how Martin Stein and Jax Jackson, you know, how those guys are linked together, that would go completely over my head if I had Jefferson Jackson. Yeah, (laughs) well, he goes by Jax. If If it hadn't, you know, if it hadn't been on The Flash, like if that hadn't been a big arc on The Flash and I'm just plopping down to watch Legends of Tomorrow, 
tomorrow. I would be so confused about that. I'd be so confused about Sarah Lance, who was part of this League of Assassins and died and is now alive, and we don't really know why. I'd be confused about who, why is she, why is her sister, like, training her and telling her to be the White Canary. I feel like I would be really, really lost if I didn't know those shows super well. Yeah, I think that Kevin's right. I think that it's tough because it is... There are, there are varying degrees of it. Like, as I said, Ray Palmer, you can come in. You don't really need to know uh, much about Ray Palmer. You don't need to know really anything to see what he's fundamentally kind of occupying as a, in terms of the space in this group. He's just kind of a goon, kind of a good guy, goofy guy, um, and pretty much just pure good. Uh, and you can see Sarah Lance, who stays out, stays behind with the criminals, isn't needed, is branded a killer. Uh, you see her with the rogues and Captain Cold and Heatwave, and you just see kind of what her role is. So they cast people into places right away so that even if you don't understand their backstory completely, you can get kind of a hint of who they are as characters. Maybe not what they are as heroes, but who they are as people. And I think the interpersonal dynamics of the group are probably just as important as their power sets uh, because you, you, I think you run a risk of having them be overpowered in some respects depending yeah. on who they're facing. That would be a criticism I would have of this particular kind of setup for this season. Um, the the kind of uh, the villain, if you will, that's being introduced at the beginning of this particular seasons of what Le- season of Legends of Tomorrow is Vandal Savage, uh, a villain who we already really saw dealt with in the Flash continuity uh, and dealt with relatively easily, I'd say, uh, between uh, just the kind of groups and heroes that are on those shows uh, in the crossover kind of uh, Arrow and Flash stuff. So. I don't know. Is it is he really that compelling enough a villain to hold off this entire team of heroes for the entire season? I, I'm not an Agents of Shield guy. I'm sure you guys are, are way more into that than I am. But that always struck me as uh, one of the problems of that show as well. Is who were they? They're just you put a whole team of people together unless they're new, which I think some of that in Agents of Shield they were. Um, you just run the question of like why aren't these people just dominating left and right especially when you're already using a villain that was dominated in the kind of timeline of the show. Right. Um, well, let's let's drill down into this a little bit more into specific. Kevin gave a really great, concise pitch of what this show is about. Antonio, blow that up a little bit without spoiling the specifics of the pilot episode. What's going on on Legends of Tomorrow? Who, who are our heroes and who are they up against? <clears throat> okay, so... Basically, in the context of the continuity of Arrow and Flash, there are often crossover episodes. And as a result, most of the heroes or villains have kind of come into contact with each other loosely or know of each other's presence. But they don't really work together outside of the teams. Occasionally, you'll see them team up. But what's happening here is that some villain, a villain who has appeared, as I said, in the continuity of the Flash storyline, who is essentially a villain who gains powers by killing the same two uh, powered people, uh, which would be uh, Hawkman and Hawk Girl, uh, throughout the kind of context of history, over and over and over again, they're reincarnated. He stays alive. He's sort of like a Highlander uh, by killing them, and, and it's not quite a quickening kind of thing. Uh, he essentially gets stronger and stronger every time he kills them. How much better would Vandal Savage be if he was played by Chris Lambert? By the way, a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, I, 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 he, okay. Uh, it's just for me, it's just the, I, I love Chris Lambert, but also he's super white and Vandal Savage is not white. Well, yeah, well, that is true. This guy isn't like not super white though. I know. I, I was kind of, when they first cast him, I was like, oh, come on. It was like Razal Ghul all over again. Yeah. But then seeing him, I'm like, uh, good enough, I if guess. Gonna, I guess this is the best you can hope for. If you're going to cast the super white guy as Vandal Savage, just go all in on the Highlander. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't love the casting of Vandal Savage. He's, I guess he's, what would you say, Egyptian? I guess ancient Egyptian is where the timeline originally yeah. begins, where we yeah. first meet the guy. He doesn't look right then. He's like he Rachel Weiss Egyptian. Yeah, he doesn't look right. And he just, I, I don't, I, he, I think the guy who plays him is like Danish or something. I looked yes. it up earlier. Casper Crump. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I feel like they should. They could have done better in a lot what of ways. Fair. Why is he not? Like he's born to play Vandal Savage, practically. Anyway, or Ros- we're 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 off track. So so continue, Antonio. So anyway, this uh, this monster, if you will, uh, by by building up his powers over time, century by century, uh, in the future, is so dominant that he's essentially destroying the world, uh, causing a person. Who has a uh, potential of monitor? Who, who previously had monitored timelines and ensured that time stayed on track to kind of go rogue, uh, steal a ship, and travel back in time to select a group of people to defeat this guy uh, for once and all. Uh, and in order to defeat the guy, one of either Hawk Guy or Hawk Girl does have to kill him. Uh, and by killing him, they will ultimately prevent him from wreaking havoc and destruction uh, in the future going forward. So. This, uh, this gentleman who time travels back uh, in order to assemble this team uh, picks kind of from uh, the, I wouldn't say the B-list, but he picks a lot of the side characters from the Arrow and Flash you universe. You can say the B-list because it is. It's, for mo- it's for kind ma- of the B-list. For it's many kind of them, it's the B-list. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of I mean, he says that's the reason he chose them, really. Right. Like, there's a specific reason he chose these group of people, which I actually kind of like that. Um, yeah, the- I liked it, too. I, I mean, I didn't want to spoil kind yeah, of the... We'll the get into that twist in a bit. But yeah, um, but yeah, that is... Uh, that is, there is a there's a method to his madness for why he picks the B team in specific. But so he picks a, a lot of characters that you're probably familiar with from Arrow and Flash. Some of whom, uh, like Ray Palmer and Sarah Lance, you've had a season plus of development. Some of whom, uh, like uh, Hawkeye and Hawkgirl, you've really just had a couple of episodes uh, in terms of the recent continuity, especially uh, of development. So. It is an interesting choice to kind of take that story that they just introduced in the crossover and launch the whole series out of it uh, with the the conflict between uh, you know the, the the people that are present uh, in in all the timelines with uh, with uh, with Vandal Savage. I, I keep wanting to call him Randy Savage. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What a different show this would have been. Call yes. him Randall Savage and split the difference. R- Randall Savage Bone Saw is ready. Bone uh, ready to cut his way through here. But yeah, so that's kind of the, the face off. They're going to travel through time uh, in and pop up in different periods. Uh, this first episode is set in the 1970s, but they're going to go from place to place and try to pick up clues and how to get closer to him and pick up his trail. And they're also being trailed uh, by a bounty hunter who is set on bringing them back because the people who control the timelines in the future are not happy uh, that this uh, timekeeper, if you will, time Lord, I don't want to say 
uh, has hijacked a ship and is trying to change the timeline. Yeah, that's Time Master, I think, is what they go with with this. Time Master, Time right. Master, and I loved the Bounty Hunter. I loved, uh, I, Fett. I, yeah, I loved that uh, that Wentworth Miller just straight up goes like, "How did Boba Fett get to 1975?" Yeah, can I uh, full stop? I love Wentworth Miller because, yeah. yes, oh he's, my god, he's yeah. so perfect in this show. Well, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to talk about favorite characters and stuff. I'd love to talk about who you guys like on the team, and certainly Kevin, I, I will throw in right away with you on that and say Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold is probably my favorite. character character on Flash uh, to begin with, and is certainly my favorite character on this show with one other character who's very close. I'll talk about him later. Uh, but I I love Wentworth Miller. I was a big Prison Break fan. Uh, yep. I, I only admit that in certain circles, so you guys don't tell anybody. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, the giant podcast yeah, is coming out. Yeah. I, I, really, I really love him. I love what he does as Leonard Snart. I love, Kevin, that he kind of like... Leonard Snart sort of sounds like Binging Billy from our Netflix podcast. Like a ridiculous name, right? Yeah. But no, I mean like his voice. Like he's oh. just like... The, the Binging Billy voice that you do is kind of a Leonard Snart it voice. It is very similar. It he sounds kind of like, like this. I'm going to freeze you with my freeze, freeze gun, right. guy. No, it, yeah, he has a certain affectation of which he speaks and it's... God, he's just so... Because he's... He's over the top, but like not in a like Batman sixty six way. But kind like, of, yeah, kind of. He's almost <laughs> there. Close. He's but pushing perfect. the line, but like the perfect amount for this world. And it's just, oh my god! When I remember this, like way back, when he like for, like when his first episode, he like comes into a room and freezes some people, and he wants the police to come. So like his introduction is he freezes people and just goes, "Somebody call nine one one." Call nine one one. The best read. Yeah, no, he he's great, and it's fun to see him playing you know, a full-fledged criminal, somebody who just loves what he does, which is really the antithesis of who he was playing on Prison Break. Yeah, he was a criminal, but he was doing it so he could save his brother. His brother, who is Dominic Purcell, uh, was Lincoln Burroughs on that show, is also on Legends of Tomorrow, playing Heat Wave, Captain Cole's partner in crime. So as a Prison Break fan, seeing those two, seeing the the Schofield brothers uh, as partners in crime is really a great, great sight gag uh, for me. I, I really love seeing these guys anytime they're on screen. So I don't really know why these criminals and these killers had to be picked for this time travel squad, but I'm really glad that they were brought along for the ride. Well, because sometimes you got to do, like, they set themselves, right? Like, uh, in case somebody needs to be killed. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what they are there for. Yeah. Antonio, what do you think of uh, those guys? Yeah, I love them. Uh, I'm a huge fan. They When the rogues kind of, or when specifically Captain Cold really first popped up on Flash. Uh, I was a big fan. Uh, just of, like you guys are saying, the line deliveries, the way... Uh, I have a friend who was is sort of binging through the shows at the same time. He wasn't the biggest fan, and I said, look, there's a lot... He, I think his, his view was that he was a little over the top as a villain, and I said... And I gave kind of a list of the villains that we'd seen on Flash, including, uh, including Mark Hamill, uh, and just basically said, look... Like, these are the people that you've, you've dealt with throughout the continuity of Flash, and you feel like, this guy's over the top? Like, come on, this guy's having a lot of fun. Like, Wentworth Miller is out there really kind of chewing scenery uh, and just really kind of... I love there's a time when he has the Flash buy him lunch. Like, uh-huh. thanks for lunch, by the way. And he walks <laughs> yeah. away, and the check shows right up. Like, just the little things like that. Like, he, he, he's, got, he's just got a bar, and he... The music that's playing on the jukebox is cold themed. He's just always doing kind of fun things. And he's just a guy with a gun. Yes. I mean, what makes him cool is his persona, not necessarily yeah, cool. anything about the weapon that he uses. He's just, just a cool dude. And I 
really, uh, I really do. I'm a big, big fan of Captain Cold specifically, and yeah, I, I, I enjoy the voice, the the line readings, uh, the way he kind of just chews through every single thing that he's doing, and uh, even just kind of at the end of the last season of Flash when they're called in to sort of be a squad to help transport uh, the metahumans. Uh, right. It's just. It just seems like a bad idea from the jump. I'm like, why would you ever trust this guy? Like, they're, and I like on Flash that they were in the pro, they're in the process sort of of figuring out what makes him tick and where his moves are. There's been some really good Captain Cold episodes, so I think that he is served, especially on this show, Legends of Tomorrow, by having such a great kind of rich backstory and so many interactions with Flash throughout the course of only a season and a half. He shows up four or five times and really just dominates every time he shows up. Yeah. Who else do you like, Antonio? Who are some of your other favorites? Well, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of, of, uh, uh, on, on arrow, uh, of Ray Palmer, because I just feel like with Aww. the tone of that show, I just don't think he fits as well. Um, I think he's more of a flash kind of guy. He, uh, he's Brandon Routh just can't get a, can't get a win anywhere. He can't win with Antonio. He can't win with America. He wins in my heart all the time. Like yeah. he's, I love Ray Palmer. I love Ryan Rout. So I'm. Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say I really like him on this show. I think that he's going to fit in in a lot better um, with the kind of tone of this show, where he's sort of the adult in the room, along with uh, along with one of my other favorites. I uh, will get to in a moment. But oh, we got the, the same one. He, oh, we're talking about Doctor Stein. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love Doctor Stein. I want to get to that in a moment. But Ray really does fit in as like this smart guy who's going to ask the right questions and who has the right motivations and mentality. And on Arrow, everything is just so like uh, everything is so I, I don't know, so serious and so dark and brooding. And Oliver Queen and Ray just never really fit there, ex- except as sort of this foil to Oliver with Felicity. But Put him on Flash. I think he would have fit really well the times he does pop up there. Uh, and I think he's going to be really good for this show. So I'm happy to see him there. But, yeah, Dr. Martin Stein. Josh, what do you love about Dr. Stein? Uh, I just love Victor Garber. I've always loved Victor Garber. I was a big Alias fan. I love him as Jack Bristow on that show. I love him in anything that he ever shows up in. He's just a terrific, terrific, tremendous actor. And I loved him on The Flash. I love Professor Stein. I love that he was sort of, you know, the, you know, finally – uh, the the Flash team they've they've got like a scientist who's actually not like out to kill them uh, and is going <laughs> and is going to give them like valuable reasonable advice and brainstorm with them and I really wanted him to be on that show I really wanted him to stick around I was really hopeful that he was going to hang around but obviously he had Legends of Tomorrow but at least he is in like full starring capacity here he's the he's top billing uh, Professor Stein Victor Garber is the number one name on the board in the opening credits well um, yeah he's Victor Garber. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you could see him getting the and credit like Wentworth Miller gets. Uh, but if you're not going to give him the and, you better give him the tops. And yeah, Victor Garber is just excellent. I love him. I love his his pursuit of science and his love for science. And uh, I love his relationship with with Jax. I think that yeah. you know, I think that you know that's a really good combo. I think that that's better than the dynamic he had with Robbie Amell um, yes. as the original Firestorm. I think that you know just that combination. Of, and I love that idea. Idea of the character of Firestorm, who I don't know very well from the comics. I just love the idea of Victor Garber's body just completely disappearing, and he just inhabits some younger dude's body and is just being an absolute nuisance Jarvis-like voice <laughs> in Firestorm's head, uh, and just like, you know, guiding them forward. So I, I love that character, I love that actor, and outside of Captain Cold, he is easily my favorite on the show. 
Yeah, I would say um, it, it's cool because, well, one, I, yeah, I, I, I love Victor Garber just like you. And I, I believe several times watching Legends, I still, I mean, of course he would do it because he's awesome. But like, I, I watch it, I'm just like, Victor Garber's on the show. They right. got Victor Garber. <laughs> like, um, but it some uh, credibility to the thing. Yeah, um, it's interesting because the the dynamic he has uh, with Jax on this show is actually much closer to how Firestorm is in the comics. Uh, they have kind of this, you know, not adversarial, but like, you know, really smart scientist versus like really average guy dynamic. And they argue and they bicker and stuff. And it's really great. And I think that's part of the reason is because that dynamic is great. It's what makes that character really cool. So I think that's why that change happened is that in Flash, they were like, uh, you know, we have uh, two scientists. That's not that's not anything like too super interesting. So I think making the change makes him closer to comic um, and brings a cool that cool dynamic in. So I think that's a that was a great decision they made. Um, poor Robbie Mel, but still, I think this worked out for the character better. Yeah. Um, anyone that you guys aren't so hot on, anyone that doesn't work for you, I'll start with you, Kevin. Like any of the any of these people that Rip Hunter, even maybe Rip Hunter himself, anyone that has been assembled for this time traveling squad that you question their place on the team, or you just don't care for the character that much. No, I mean, like you know, because I'm so. Like you mentioned, I'm so entrenched in comics. There are things that like really get me excited. I mean, I I wish I could be. It doesn't sound super weird because if you know me, uh, I wish I could be more excited about Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Yeah, like I'm excited because I love those characters. Like I think their story is phenomenal. I just I don't like what they did tying them to Vandal Savage and how. I mean, like I, I you is know, that very what, different from the comics? Yeah, I mean, if we can talk to spoiler territory, I could really just express why I really don't like it. And it is different from the comics to a certain extent. They, they tried to tie two characters together, but I don't kind of like how they did it. But part of what their story is from the comics, I, again, I, when can we go into spoiler territory? Because I'm ready. Let's just, let's just, Antonio, you good to, to wave the flag? Yeah, absolutely. Let's plant that flag. We're going into spoiler territory right now. If you have not seen the Legends of Tomorrow premiere, go, go check that out and then come back right now. Kevin? You're unleashed. Go. Go All mad. Right. Go crazy. Go wild. Okay, so here's my thing. Uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl, great characters. Their story, separating Vandal Savage out from what we see in the show, is pretty accurate. They were from ancient Egypt. Uh, they were in love. And uh, there was this villain who basically murdered them. Um, and they were forever cursed to be reincarnated over and over and over again. The villain is tied in, but not like how, oh, he has to kill them over and over. It's just that is their curse. That is what their lives are. They are forever destined to love each other, live, die, repeat. Like, but it's great because it's like that Tom story, Cruise movie. Yes, like that Tom Cruise movie. But uh, except with love. Um, there was love in that one, too. Ah, no spoilers. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, the, I love the idea that, you know, this is what th- it's these called characters. Edge of Tomorrow, which is so close to Legends of Tomorrow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say it, but I didn't <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yep. sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but like the idea that like love is what kind of carries these two characters throughout history. Like it's such an amazing sell point, I think, too, where it's just like their love literally endures forever and they keep, you know, dying and getting reborn. Um, so Hawkman and Hawkgirl are pretty spot on to like what they are in the comics. Vandal Savage has been changed and I like I love Vandal Savage as a villain. I think he's very clever. But in the comics, Vandal Savage isn't from Egypt. He's like a caveman. And the meteor tie-in in the comics or in the in the show is from him. He gets you know a meteor. He gets exposed to this radiation from meteor, and it basically makes him immortal. He cannot die at all. 
Um, and it's not like, oh, only a cell must remain, like Dragon Ball Z. Um, but like, you know, he can regenerate super fast and he lives forever. Uh, but in, I understand the ideas. Like, we want to tie him in so it's not just these separate pieces. But I don't like the fact that it's just like, I would have been fine if he murdered them. I hate with a passion, he murdered them because he loved her. And I'm right. like, oh, good, this fucking plot point. Whoa, Sorry. hard F-bomb. This, this plot point again. I It's such an overused, cliche, obnoxious plot point. And it's just, I mean, I want to say there could be a meta thing here, but it's, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> a metahuman thing. But, like, you see in the news where it's like, you know, guy is obsessed with girlfriend and murders her, and it's a tragedy, and it's awful. And especially in the news lately, they do this thing where it's just like, well, he was heartbroken. No, he's a murderer and a psychopath. Um, and if they wanted to treat it almost like how Jessica Jones does, where they take reality and twist it into this really interesting commentary about men and women and, like, what it causes, that'd be amazing. That is not what they're doing here. It's just, that's a cliche thing we could use to make him, like, he loved her, and he was jealous, so he killed them in their curse. And I'm like, or not. Or he's just a guy who wanted power and murdered people. There's that option, too. Right. And no, so in the, in the original story, the, the curse comes not from a love thing, but it comes from just the fact that some villain kills them and curses them. There, or there's no reasoning behind it. Um, it's, I think it's a, it, it, there's a power thing. Um, uh, I think depending on the writer, they've, they've done this whole, like, but he also loved her. Um, but I think originally it was just a, uh, power thing. Like he was a Pharaoh and, you know, and she was the queen, not even his like priestess. No, there was, uh, Pharaoh and queen and this, their priest who was Hatseth, uh, murders them and they get cursed. And they um, never really interact with Vandal Savage in, in terms of that incident at all. Um, not in, in that time period, because since they are, uh, reincarnated over and over and he's immortal in the comics, there are stories where Vandal Savage and Hawkman Hawkgirl have run into each other. Sure. I've always felt like that's, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad they did in the show. Like it should be a given in my opinion, if you're writing a Hawkman Hawkgirl comic, Vandal Savage should be their villain because it just makes sense like that they would have a history. I don't like that the history is tied in, in the show like this, but I, it would just make sense to me. I think um, one of the, I think one of the problems here, you know, I think you raise a lot of good points, but I think one of the big problems of why this isn't work out, you know, why it's not working outside of the fact that, um, you know, it's a change to comics continuity, which I don't mind so much. Uh, but I, I certainly get why you mind. Um, I, th- I think one of the big, big problems is, and it's not so much a problem with Hawk Girl. I really like, um, I don't know the name, the, I don't know how to pronounce it. Kiara Renee, I think is her name. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I, I love her. I think she's really great. I think she's got a lot of great energy. But the guy, Falk Henschel, who plays Carter Hall, I'm just not digging. I'm really not feeling that. I'm really not feeling Casper Crump as Vandal Savage. And these are sort of the three beating hearts of the emotional story of Legends of Tomorrow. And that's tough for me to get over. Um, it, you know, I'm just not feeling, I'm not feeling two of the three people in that emotional center. Um, and that's going to be a difficult problem to overcome for me. I don't know if you feel similarly at all, Anthony. I absolutely do. Um, and I, I feel like the, I feel like the show missed and I only say missed because I feel like the show hits. So these shows hit so often, uh, in casting, uh, just kind of smaller roles or whatever that it does stand out. Uh, both, both, uh, Carter Hall, both Falk Henschel who plays uh, a Hawkman, uh, and Casper Crump who plays Vandal Savage. I just feel like the show's missed a little bit in terms of that cast, in terms of the casting there. Um, I appreciate the kind of, I appreciate the the decisions that they're they're making there. I like 
like that I can buy. Uh, it did look a little weird, the flashbacks to the Egyptian scenes. Um, they weren't the most well kind of dressed or appointed uh, sets there, or it just looked a little cheesy in that respect. But I could I could buy both of them. Um, Hawkeye or Hawkeye. I love Hawk it. Man. I love it. You said it twice. Yeah. It makes me you said happy. Said it a couple times. I yeah, love it's it great. It's Hawk great. Man. I'm, I'm Don't just, stop. Just let yourself. Go. I love Hawkeye, so you know I'm in. But yeah, yeah Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Um, they. Uh, I just. Uh, I just. I just didn't buy them totally in the flashback. Yeah. Even though I buy the actors, I just the flashback didn't pop for me. Uh, and then throughout, it's just it's just not there. Even though you're right, Sierra or Kiara or Sierra Renee. Uh, even the stuff she was doing with Cisco, where she wasn't sure of what her story was. And she was just, I just moved here. I'm a barista. Like I was appreciating that because I thought she did a really good job of kind of the awakening and finding herself and all the stuff they spent a lot of time on in the flash. But I just don't think that ultimately at the center of this show, it works as much. And I do wonder how much Rip Hunter, the Arthur Darville character, uh, he is going to play into the emotional center of this show. Because since we're in spoiler territory, we find out that the big motivating reason why he's really come back is that his family, his wife and son, were killed uh, by what Vandal Savage was doing in the future. Right. And that really forced him to go rogue, uh, kind of go outside the timeline, jeopardize all sorts of crazy things, and go back in time uh, to try to end Vandal Savage before he could do this. And so we see a little bit of his uh, emotional kind of stuff that's happening there. And one of the things, of course, that you're doing on Arrow and Flash a lot is flashback storytelling. This happens a lot more on Arrow, but it certainly does happen on Flash. Flash jumps around like crazy in different timelines and into the future and into different worlds and things like that. Arrow does it more of a strictly kind of flashback sort of thing. So it does make some sense that you might get a little more of the flash forward through Rip Hunter's character. Uh, And the possibility of jumping through time, I think, also subjects us to other characters' emotional stories. But right now, it is centered around Hawk Girl and Hawk Man. Uh, and in doing that, uh, I, I got it that time. Yeah. Uh, and I just love that Hawkeye comic so much. Um, it's that, so great. That I think that, um, that I just think that it's, it's a little bit weak in that regard. And like I said, the other problem I have with Vandal Savage is when you had the two teams together in the crossover, even though by some Dragon Ball Z kind of way, one molecule of him uh, raised him back from the dead, apparently. Uh, thanks a lot, Malcolm Merlin. Um, I I think that he was pretty easily dispensed with ultimately in the course of those arcs. Like they, it wasn't somebody that they had they ended up having to put in a prison or was were worried would come back out. They pretty much killed him. So I don't see why it should be that difficult. And that was this. the A squad, you know. Yeah, that, that was the, that was the A squad. The A squad took care of him in five seconds. And so what's the B squad going to do? Yeah. I well, mean, it- season i don't know it it it, in the comics he's a little bit like it that's the thing like this whole like oh he you know they blast him and he molecule i guess is the ways that you have to make sure he's wiped out in the comics he just has very very rapid healing he's also a much bigger dude because he was a caveman um so he's physically stronger and like you would believe that an alternate name for him could be casper crump yes (laughs) like that's a great caveman name Captain uh, yeah, yeah Casper, Casper Crunk, maybe. Um, but like you, you definitely, you know, in the comics, feel like he's a threat um, because you can see, you like, you see this like if someone like hits him hard and his jaw pops out of place, he'll just turn back and it's already back in place. Like it's it's so difficult to actually injure this guy. Um, so like you know that's that's cool in the comics, but like, exactly in the show, 
he has a certain presence to him, sure, but yeah, there's just there's not like a, a, he doesn't have a weight to him. It's the same thing with the Razal Ghul, I think casting where you know when he fought Oliver on the mountain, I thought there was like definitely some Razal Ghoulness in him, but overall there's just not I don't know there's he doesn't have that like presence on screen like that they that these two characters these two essentially mortals should have. Yeah, you should see them and be like, whoa, gosh, like you know. But instead, it's just kind of like, what did my uh, my girlfriend Robin called? Um, she said of Razi Al Ghul, just like, he looks like he could just be someone's dad. Right. Like, <laughs> dad Al, dad al like, Ghul. <laughs> yeah, and it's not something you want where you, when you see Raz Al Ghul. And Pops so, Al Ghul. Yeah, you know, Paz Al Ghul. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I think that's also a big problem with it. That said... Uh, the fact that the show started off with Vandal Savage murdering a child, I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you don't see that often on TV at all. And I feel like that's one of the things they bring out. They can sometimes be like cliches, like he's a child murderer. But the way he did it, I was like, that's effective. Like, I was like, oh, oh, man, like that was pretty hardcore. So I, I kind of liked that they clearly have written him well. And I think the actor can do stuff that seems really well. But there's just something about him that when you see him and you're just like, ah, yeah, he's just a dude, you know. <laughs> It's really hard to tell, like what, where his. I mean, you want to call it powers. Where his really skills lie when he first shows up with that kind of. Uh, he's like a stowaway, and he's got like a jacket of knives, and he says, "I'm going to polish my knives with your blood in a couple minutes here." And you, you really believe the guy that he's going to do it, but then he makes the handcuffs disappear and reappear on a cop, and then he's throwing knives, and he's just kind of. He's got. He's, there's a lot going on with this Vandal Savage, and. Of course, it makes sense that there's a lot going on because he's lived throughout every age and he's gained power over time. And that story, as they kind of ha- as it unfolds, makes sense. But then he's just dispensed with, as I said, in the main timeline. So I don't know. The guy just doesn't have it for me enough to pull off what I think they need him to pull off to really carry being the big villain of what's happening here. And that's a little too bad because I think that it, some of the big bads on Arrow and Flash have been awesome. Yeah, uh, and they've done such a good job of of really with the season long kind of villains, and they're in the process of two really good ones in Arrow and Flash now. Uh, and so to have this one be kind of at the center of Legends of Tomorrow, I think that it is a little weaker. That does, that said, it doesn't. There are ways to kind of I think expand this story um, that aren't uh, going to get us into sort of Agents of Shield territory. Uh, where it feels a little lower stakes, or it just feels like you know some kind of caper of the week, uh, which they may, maybe that's what they want to do. I don't know, but well, that's uh, that's something that they talk about at the end of the first half of this pilot. You know, the one hour that we've seen um, is there's this there's this line about how like well we'll fight time, you know, we'll battle time, and like that kind of speaks to me of yeah, this is going to be a show that's about you know like making legacies and hopping around through time, and it's probably you know not so much necessarily the monster of the week format, but like the time era of the week, like the time period of the week. I know that right. we're we're going wild west. There's going to be a Jonah Hex episode, uh, which is which is pretty pretty wild. Um, John Jonathan Skage of that thing you do of the Oneaters is going to be playing Jonah Hex, which is very strange casting to me. Uh, but they're going to be hopping around a lot, and I think that that could be you know that could almost overcome um, the weaknesses of the big bad if those episodes are really compelling and fun and worth to in for you know i don't think that there's you know necessarily anything wrong with a really well done monster of the week type of show and that could be where the strength of legends of tomorrow lies they're just going around hoping that the next leap will be the next leap home that's all (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean i think that like i said i said that earlier i think that that's true i think that there i mean i'd like quantum leap like there's a possibility that 
they could make a fun show, like you're saying, Josh, that doesn't have to be what we expect it to be uh, because of the era of television that we're in or just because of the way that the stories are told on the two kind of root shows uh, that this kind of is based on, where they, they float you know, from villain to villain week to week, but there are these overarching larger stories and big bads and people like that that are coming into play. Um, I do think that there's a possibility that they're, you know, they'll try to do that, strike that balance here. But you're right that the format uh, and the, you know, the will battle time really is going to be as key as anything else. It, it will be interesting to see how they mark the decisions to travel through time. Like why, why are they leaving this this world at this time? I mean, isn't Vandal Savage around in this world at this time? Shouldn't it just be a matter of spending time now to track him down and kill him, and that be the end of it? Like. What's going on here? Why are we jumping to a completely different time? So I do think they're going to have to kind of bend over backwards to justify some of that. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see exactly what they do to get to, to get us to Jonah Hex, for example. Yeah. So you guys both seem to be into the twist of the episode. You know, the premise is we're talking yeah. about spoilers, so let's get into it. So Rip Hunter, he assembles this this squad. He assembles this team and says, like, where, where I come from in the future, Marty, where I come from, you guys are legends. You're here is your you know you're remembered all of this stuff and then later on in the episode we find out that he's actually assembled this group of people because they are not legends they're the opposite the impact that they have on his timeline is so minimal that he felt that he could you know use all of these people without risking anything without without having to to worry about impacting the future um so kevin you like this twist do you think that this is a good twist for the show yeah, I think this was makes sense. I mean, like, you know, when they first did the thing, it's just like, man, it's going to muck up the timeline. But if it's just people who have, like, no influence on time, basically, that are just forgotten heroes, essentially, it makes sense to use them because I want the disposable heroes, more or less. Um, and I kind of like that. I also love when he talked about um, when they went to go visit um, Dr. Uh, Boardman. Um, that it was like moments before his death, so that way it would have the most minimal impact on time itself. There's a great comic book series called Exiles, which is basically like sort of like this. It's it's Sliders meets Quantum Leap, and it's people going through time, uh, fixing rights and wrongs and all that. But the whole premise is that it's people from superheroes from different realities pulled into this team the moment before they died. So they're just about to die, and they get pulled in, and it's like, well, you can go do this and like try to save history, or we send you back and you die. Um, and it makes the most sense that you want to pull people from that moment because it won't mess up time horribly and brutally. So I really like that, that they did this twist because it makes sense. It shows to a certain extent they're thinking about time travel, which I am a big stickler for about doing time travel right. Um, so at least that's one step in the right direction that they are clearly thinking about it. So I really like that twist a lot. Uh, Antonio, what's your take? Yeah, I completely agree. I also think that it really, it really is interesting to me as a viewer who just – kind of powered through Flash and Arrow, especially Arrow, that someone like Ray Palmer has no impact on history. Because what we've seen is that this guy is bound and determined to do exactly that, to have an impact on history one way or the other, whether it's inventing tech or whether it's kind of, you know, just being this guy who's developing. I mean, at a moment, he's like the, the Tim Cook or the Steve Jobs. It's like he's developing wearable technology and he's doing this and he's doing that and he's a magnate it's like to think that he has no footprint on the timeline maybe that's some kind of shoddy writing or maybe it's actually good from a character motivation standpoint yeah because this is a guy who seemed bound and determined to have that impact i think the same thing goes for dr stein especially but yeah. also uh you know for as you put it uh 
as you put it, for Jax. I think that it's interesting to see uh, those two who were at kind of the nascent levels of their uh, embrace of Firestorm. Uh, I think that they probably expected that they would have had a great impact on history. And so to kind of pull them out of that and say, yeah, by the way, when you look from the future, you guys didn't matter at all. Those two groups of characters specifically, I think, were so really intent on mattering. Uh, and it was important to them that I, I think it's good character motivation. So I really like it on that level as well, uh, not just the logic level, which Kevin completely is right about. Like, it, it, you know, you just it, it hurts your brain to think about well, you take all these people out and then you have them doing this. But no, I think that from an emotional level, from a character level, it really works, especially for those, uh, those couple characters to tell them, like, your life mattered nothing. It, it amounted to nothing. So that, let's make it matter. And I think that those characters focusing on that is, is important to the show. Right. I think that that is great character motivation. I think especially for Ray Palmer and for Martin Stein, these two brilliant minds who think that they are going to do great things for the future, only to find out that their impact means nothing. Um, for them to be driven by that, I think is great. I think the, the thing that I'm wrestling with, and I don't know totally how I feel about it, and currently am leaning towards I'm not thrilled about it. And this has always been my concern about this show, is does it marginalize those characters a little bit? You know, characters that we've become invested in through seasons of Arrow and The Flash now. Um, does, it, does it minimize, like, will a show like this minimize the impact of those characters and their ability to go back to The Flash, their ability to go back to Arrow? Someone like Captain Cold, who we all agree is incredible and Wentworth Miller is so good. Is this show going to lessen the impact of Captain Cold on The Flash? Um, so I, I feel, for me, one of my concerns going forward with Legends of Tomorrow is... How how much is like the is is this experiment of a show? Um, is, is it going to detract from the two shows that are already working really well, where a lot of these characters are hugely important, valuable assets to those shows? Is this going to cheapen those characters at all? And is labeling them as people who have no impact on history, no impact on the future, does that undercut any potential appearances of them in the future? No. And I can explain why. Yeah, I would love, I would love to, because that's just what I'm chewing on right now, and, I, and I'm, I would love to be made to feel better about this. Because at the end of the day, the people, like, it's not saying they have no impact on in the next 20 years of their lives. Like, they're going to have an impact in that time period. It's just upon a greater time stream. If you look at time as itself, time is practically, it, it is infinite. And you look at this giant stretch of time, this giant stretch of history, even these people, like, yeah, they won't have an impact on the time. You're not going to do anything amazing and groundbreaking, but so few of us actually do. Um, so the idea that it's just like, oh, is their impact lessened on the show, the, uh, their show? No, because their impact is going to be in that moment. It's it's the argument where you know um, to get existential for a moment. If you know. If someone say like, you know, life, you know, there is no meaning to life, like just, you know, there's nothing beyond life has no meaning. But just because life is meaningless doesn't mean you can't live a meaningful life. Like you can do stuff here and now that matters and that affects things and, and changes stuff. But just because in the broader scheme, it doesn't do anything doesn't mean like I give up, I quit. It's over. It doesn't matter anymore. No, you're still impacting stuff in this small circle. This area here that matters to you and the people around you is being affected. And I feel like. That's why they're still going to challenge the flash. They're still going to do things. They're still going to have an impact on that world at that moment. Maybe they won't have a long, long, super lasting legacy. But that's something Ray Palmer struggles with. But I think, like you said, is great motivation, you know. Um, and for, you know, Martin Stein, same thing. It's like these people want uh, want to be more, want to 
you know, want to have a legacy. Um, but you know, what, what is a legacy besides planting seeds in a garden you never get to see, but, um, damn, Kevin, you just legitimized this whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we brought him here. I yeah. know. I feel so much we're we're making an now. impact on people now, guys. It doesn't matter. This podcast won't be heard in 10 years, you oh, know? Man. Uh, but yeah, so that's my argument is that it's it's important in their world that they exist in, even if they're not important to greater time stream. It doesn't lessen their impact on the shows we watch. Is that there, is my response. Is there also a possibility that um, things can change or that Rip Hunter is wrong about right. certain things like that? I think is the other thing that the show will have to play with is that uh, Rip Hunter, if he's OP or if he's just kind of like uh, omniscient or super right about everything always – uh, if he can see time backwards and forwards, I don't know if he can. I don't think he can see time forwards. Uh, maybe he just monitors previous you know, incursions or whatever. But he has to know that he could be wrong. Uh, and I think that he's a better character if he can be wrong about certain things. And I think that his pursuit from an emotional place uh, for, for, for what he's doing, I think it bakes in an excuse for him to be sort of overzealous or incorrect about certain things. And so I'm not sure that the history or the future is written. And then the second thing I would say is, while I agree, because I'm the one who kind of brought it up about Dr. Stein and Ray and that being motivation for them, a lot of what these people do, uh, specifically what Sarah Lance and um, what they, they've kind of done with Firestorm and uh, with Ray Palmer as well, a lot of what they do is not really for recognition. Like they do it because it feels like the thing that they need to do. Uh, and they're not really seeking the idea that they, they want to create a legacy. Yeah, we know that about Ray Palmer. Sure, we've heard Dr. Stein, especially with the uh, scientist who didn't get to be his sort of firestorm partner. Uh, he is apparently a legend uh, at Hunter University or wherever, where he's written all these papers and he's a legend in the field and fine. That's all well and good. Um, but I don't know. I just think that there's a possibility that a lot of what they've done as heroes is not to generate headlines. It's not to get personal credit. It's just for the good of society. And this is the same sort of mission. So it does fit right there nicely with what they've already done. Yeah. Um, I think just, you know, let's, let's start wrapping down on legends cause we're, we're running the clock and we got a couple other shows to talk about, but just o- overall, you know, there's so many, you know, just even speaking to that, there's so many superhero shows on TV. We're just about to talk about agent Carter. There's a little bit of heroes action that we have to discuss. There's agents of shield that you've mentioned, Antonio, there's flash and arrow. There's so many shows. Lucifer is about to premiere. So all these like comic book shows that are, that Don't are, I guess Supergirl. Supergirl. I feel like a Supergirl's important. It's a, you know, female Super- led show. Yeah, absolutely. I have haven't started watching it yet i'm really looking forward to, to digging into it um but there's there's so much out there how do you guys feel like is legends of tomorrow worthy of you know being an, another complete standalone show it's like an actual show as opposed to an arc of flash and arrow do you think that this would have been better served as a string of episodes like a month-long crossover between those two shows or do you think that this show is worthy of holding its own um, my response is if there can be four law, law and orders and five CSIs, yes, we're allowed to have a couple of superhero of shows. Of course. I'm, that's, like, not, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking about Legends of Tomorrow's worthiness in that roster. Is this show worth having its own show for, or is it is it better served as a handful of episodes across Flash and Arrow? 
I think I, I like it as, as its own show because it opens up a different type of story and a different world to explore it. It, explore, it actually opens up the entire, you know, entire history of the world to explore. And it's something different and can be cool. Like, I guess it depends on, like, what type of shows you like. Like, I love sci-fi shows like Quantum Leap and Sliders. And this is kind of that. It allows you to do a different thing than what Arrow is and what Flash is. You know, if Flash is pure superhero fun and Arrow is the grim and darkness of superhero, this is like that sci-fi time travel superhero story which is a different type of story that i think definitely deserves its own you know it, its own exploration and its own series rather than just an arc to just be like and then it's over and it's like yeah but i want to know more about that like what and so yeah i, I definitely think it, it deserves its own um its own series antonio your take that show has to evolve for me i think that it deserves its own series for now but the question is whether it should be a mini like Agent Carter, and uh, I want to kind of dovetail this discussion into that by saying this. Agent Carter was you know, not necessarily always planned to be a season by season. Uh, they kind of play it by ear, and, and it is what it is. I think that you've got, when we talked about the kind of weaknesses or the stuff that are going on, uh, with with the with Vandal uh, and just kind of the way that plays out, um, I think that the show has to evolve. I think it can't just be him forever. If he's dealt with by the end of this season, I think that that they need to evolve their kind of views of time. And that Arthur Darville maybe takes more of a Barry Allen view about modifying time, uh, and that you have to do the right thing, right. and that you have to deal with the consequences. And so I think that if I think the show is more interesting and it has more shelf life. If the show does evolve beyond this just like battle against Vandal Savage to save the future, uh, I think that there's a possibility they could do a lot more um, with kind of the week to week if they're doing different things with time. And I think the Rip Hunter character and his motivations and how he feels about time are going to be a really interesting thing to monitor throughout the season to see if the show's able to do that. Right. Yeah, and I and I think you know not not to you know I really enjoyed the pilot. I liked it a lot. I really I think there's a lot of potential here for Legends of Tomorrow, and I love a lot of these characters. A couple I'm lukewarm on, but for the most part, I really like these people. And that's me as a fan of Flash Nero. Uh, and and I am concerned about like just the general viewer being able to pop into that. Like you could start Supergirl. You don't have to watch anything else. You can watch Arrow. You can watch Flash. I'm still I still question whether or not you could just hop into Legends of Tomorrow. Um, but let's. Hop into Agent Carter. Let's let's talk about Agent Carter for a little bit. We don't have a ton of time to talk about these next two shows, so let's just talk about it quickly. Agent Carter came back this week. Haley Atwell, who plays Peggy Carter, uh, debuted in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Captain America the First Avenger. Was a super popular hit there. There was an Agent Carter one shot, a short movie that was attached to one of the one of the Blu-rays. I can't remember which one. Kevin, do you know off the top of your head? Um, I want to say it's a Captain America one, but you, I could you would be wrong. Think so. You would think so, but I think that they sometimes they had it you know, skewed differently. It could be a Thor, it could be an Iron Man, who knows. Uh, but it was a really great one shot. It was so good that it, it launched uh, a series. It had a season one. The ratings were never phenomenal, um, but it was critically revered. You know, People loved this show. People love Haley Atwell as that character. Um, she is really, really terrific. And if you have not watched that first season, it's only eight episodes episodes you don't have to watch agents of shield to get it you should watch the first captain america at least to get the backstory but outside of that there's no prior material that you really have to dive into and if you haven't seen that first season of agent carter 
do it. It's really good. It's really, really fun. It's cool to see the Marvel Cinematic Universe in in the World War II era or the post-war era even um, in greater detail than you get in the first Avenger. It's a really cool look at the Marvel Universe, and I think it's one of the great Marvel projects. I think I'm a big Marvel fan of what they do in all of their live action for the most part, but I'm, I could not speak higher uh, of Agent Carter. I don't know. Antonio, I don't think that you ever got into Agent Carter. Uh, no, I watched some of the first season. The thing is, I'm a big fan of Haley Atwell, um, especially in this role. And I feel like the way that the continuity of the Captain America storyline evolved uh, and the way the kind of films were, it was a real shame that she was sort of shut out of the main kind of uh, cinematic story. Right. Uh, just a, just by virtue of the way that, you know, they, the Captain America originally started in the 40s and she was a character in 1946, but she's not going to be a character in 19 or 2010 because you know, Captain America uh, was in ice and uh, was asleep and was under and didn't age and all these things, and she did. Uh, and that's, of course, a major storyline for Captain America dealing with that. But I feel like we missed out on a lot, uh, and just as he feels like he missed out on a lot. So I love that Agent Carter exists. Uh, I do think that what I saw of it's really well done. Um, I haven't watched the premiere of this second season. I did end up seeing the end of the first season. Um, I just, there was a couple episodes I missed along the way, but uh, I really do like uh, her in this role. And like you, I'm very, very happy that it exists because I'm not a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., unfortunately. My biggest problem with that is I just feel like I have to pay attention to too much uh, and connect too much. And I don't like it when shows I, – I, my main complaint is when a movie comes out, sometimes it's tied in like they did with Captain America, and sometimes it's not. Uh, and sometimes you have to figure out where you're situated in, like, what's going on in the world and vis-a-vis the world's response to superheroes and, uh, and S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything like that. And I have a hard time wrapping my head around all that. But Agent Carter doesn't ask you to do that. Uh, and I really like that about the show, for sure. Yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a very complicated mythology. I, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is pretty good, but I, but I get what you're coming from, for sure. Um, Kevin, how much Agent Carter have you watched? Because I know that you know, you're a big comic book guy, but you're not a huge... I don't know how much Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. you've seen. I'm guessing not a lot. Um, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like close to zero. Uh, zero. <laughs> yeah, if not zero. Um, how much Agent Carter have you dug into? Well, after you know our discussion and, and knowing that we were going to be leading up to this, I uh, I did start watching the first season, and then in the infinite wisdom of uh, these programmings, uh, they pulled it off Hulu because a new season started. You know why? Why have that kind of stuff is so awful? That's it's it's bad. <laughs> I don't it's understand. Bad. Make, some uh... places, some some networks got it on lock. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but I'm just going to say it's decisions like that that why Netflix is winning. Yeah. Um, but I did I did watch a lot of it and I loved it and I, I I've been wanting to and I just hadn't and now I finally gave a read you know had a reason to do it and I started watching and I really liked it and I watched the premiere of the you know the first two episodes of this season and and I love it. Um, I think Haley Atwell is phenomenal. I really like her in as a character. I really like her as a person. Uh, she's amazing. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, there's just something about that, like that, that, that I love, I loved Captain America because it was a period piece. And so I love this because it takes place, you know, in the 19, I want to say 1947. Um, yeah, and I love that. that it's like this, you know, retro style storytelling. Like, you know, it's like right now they're doing this like pulp story. It's a pulp story. It's just stars instead of Doc Savage. It's who's this pulp character you know, scientist that they deals with sci-fi and supernatural stuff, um, and adventure comics. Um, 
it's that except it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a woman because why why would it, why should it not be like you know it's totally fine to do that and i love that they're exploring these like weird crazy sci-fi stuff um of the era because those are the stories of that era like if you look at the adventure stories that's what they were dealing with so i really love that they're doing this like almost like meta style story for it um and um what I what what I really like, you know, uh, uh, Josh Wiggler and I, uh, old friend Kyle Fegley actually said this. I was discussing with him a long time ago that uh, Agent Carter is a show essentially about breaking the glass ceiling. It's yeah. it's about you know shattering that glass ceiling, and yeah, metatextually, it's doing the same thing it the public because you know the ratings weren't great but they were good and the critical acclaim was amazing and it it basically showed like hey you can have a female led show you can have a female led comic book show it's fine. And it, you know, it's amazing to see that it accomplished that goal as well, which, you know, I feel like part of the reason we have a Supergirl is because of Agent Carter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love it. My one gripe is I do not like the flirtation and sexual tension between her and Jarvis because Jarvis, you are married. Stop it. Oh, I don't uh, I don't feel I don't feel any of that. I think that there's a lot of like a lot of fandom putting that on Peggy and Jarvis. I think they're friends. You know, I, think, I, I would love that. But then there's these scenes where Jarvis is like on top of her and like looking into her eyes. And I'm just kind of like, hey, stop that. Uh, stop it right now. <laughs> uh, I, I hope that's not where they're going. I really don't feel like it is. And I feel like if that is where they're going. Big misstep. Don't yeah, do that. They, they should just be friends. She's got enough going on with Sousa. She's got to figure that. She's got to figure that out. Peggy Sousa is where it's at. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really love the show. I wish we could spend more time in it. What I'd really love to do, I think that it's only a 10 episode season. And it's going to wrap up in March. I would love if you guys could both brush up on your entire Agent Carterness, uh, and we'll get back together and we'll, we'll talk about these seasons in more detail. Cause I think it's, I think it's really, really good stuff and worthy of a much longer conversation than we can give it right right now but my just general stamp of approval on agent carter and i think that you could probably watch season two without having seen season one i wouldn't recommend it as always just it's worth going back and and seeing especially when it was only eight episodes for season one you can breeze through that in a day no problem um depending <laughs> you're not relying on hulu right exactly yeah. find your way you could find a way uh but i think that if, if you can't do that i do think you could probably watch season two uh, you know just watching that premiere it felt like it wasn't shockingly inaccessible you know it felt like there was enough new moments and new story beats um and enough setup of the characters who were on the first season that i think that you could probably hop in but watch season one first and then the three of us let's get back on the horn sometime in march and we'll talk about the uh the end of agent carter season two i'm worried about it because the ratings are not great and i do wonder if season two is going to be it but we'll see um let's let's wrap up this podcast with another form of eulogy hopefully a a eulogy Mm -hmm. like a forever eulogy where we won't have to do this again heroes reborn um the the show that that launched most shows recapped if you don't count episode zero which was on the bastard executioner uh this is the first show that rob antonio and i talked about when Mosho's recap started heroes reborn ended this past week um antonio how much heroes did you did you stick with any i didn't i didn't come back after the break yeah um i i watched everything before the break but i did it sort of out of spite and uh anger at myself <laughs> and just i don't no, just watching you shambling kind of corpse and shell of a show that yeah. had potential and just fell into some of the same traps, I felt like. Uh, and I don't want to criticize without having seen the last three or whatever, but I have a feeling that it didn't really turn the corner, although I'd love to hear differently uh, to the extent that it did. Kevin, did you watch this at all? So, uh, yeah, I have an interesting um 
history would hear was I guess is the best way to put it. I you know like a lot of people I watched the the first series uh, when I first started. I really loved that first season except for the last episode. Um, and then I tried continuing and I think I got like I got to the end of episode of season two and I was just like f this I'm out and I I left. Um, and then I don't I heard it was you know that it never really recovered. It's not the good blah blah blah. And then I was at San Diego and I was in that room when they announced the Heroes Reborn thing and at, had the at cast Comic-Con. out yeah. at Comic Con and. Uh, the energy in the room, everything happening got me excited. They did a good job of getting me excited and interested. And in my psychotic mind, I decided to go sit down and rewatch all of the original heroes. Wow. And I did. And I made it this time. <laughs> and it was hard and it was rough. And it was really funny because my girlfriend had never seen it. And she watched the first season with me and she really liked it. And I was How like, yeah, not? season one's great. Yeah. Season one is really good up until that last episode when I'm like, oh, and there's all the mistakes. And she just went, yeah. That finale was not good, and I know it doesn't get better, so I'm out. And she tapped out after the first season very smartly. <laughs> very smart. Um, very smart move. And I kept going, and I had to power through the god-awfulness that was season two. And, like, season three, like, half of it was, like, not good. Half of it was pretty okay. The last season was, yeah, I guess, fine. But I will say, even after all of that, even after all of that, coming into Heroes Reborn, I had a lot of excitement because there was a lot of potential. They were clearly, you know, a lot of comic book style elements they were bringing in which was interesting they were going to use their powers a lot more because it's okay to show superhero powers now and have them be flashy um so i was really pumped about a lot of that um and i started watching it and i really was actually really enjoying it at first and i would say like even up to recently i actually really liked it and the only thing that has kept me from finishing it thus far i'm going to but it's just it's the momentum and I, I put this again. We were talking about the 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 way you know with, with Agent Carter on Hulu, right? But I think this is also an NBC problem. I honestly believe, um, and there's no way to test it now. I honestly believe that this show could have done better if they had actually done it Netflix style and released it all at once. Right. I think I think this idea of weekly television is not. It's, it's, it's been proven to be on a little bit of a downslope. And I feel like for a show like Heroes, where you have people hesitant to like, you know, give it a full shot, but are willing to like start, maybe it'll be okay in a few episodes. If you had released it all at once, they would have kept going because this is a show that's based on not revealing everything and people are impatient. And if you had everything revealed, if they could sit down and watch through it all, they might have been like, oh, so all those things got answered because like there's an episode that's a two parter to the flashback from the beginning of the show with the explosion that I thought was really well done and really clever in how they handle some stuff. But you had to wait nine weeks to get there. And so I think if they had just done a release, people would have liked it more. And I think it could have had a chance. But as it stands, it, it's, it, you know, people just, would you know, not going to sit through it. They're going to be like, ah, oh, they're falling to the same tropes again without being able to know that maybe they did change stuff. And I feel like that's a major, major problem for the show sadly right i think the weekly thing doesn't bug me too much though i I think most shows it would be great if you could just sit down and and chew through them but it's just not the reality yet um but i I think what does suck is the the show had a fall finale i believe back in november it wrapped its original run of episodes and then came back this month with three more and it was kind of the point it was like like, wait heroes is still going like it's still it's still happening so i feel like if they if they were going to do a 13 episode thing do that over 13 weeks. You know, right? don't yeah. don't take two months off for three more episodes. Uh, I mean, NBC is 
known for their great decision making though so i i think that that was that was not the greatest decision i think i think that heroes were born my my final take on it and and having stuck with it and and seeing the ending and everything is i think a lot of a lot of the it was it was heroes in a nutshell you know it, it's you know well-intentioned but misguided uh, <laughs> heroes in a nutshell turtle power turtle power yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i th- i think not enough ninja turtles would have would have been great but katana girl was awesome you know there's there were certain characters that i thought were yeah really- katana girl was great yeah. you know, there were certain characters on here oh. that were really great and then there were some characters where it was like completely whatever you know like quentin get out of here quentin and like there's just some people like you just don't care about and like that was that was very much you know the problem with heroes along the way there were just stories that you did not care about let's not talk about maya with her death tears yep. and all of that you know there's there's a lot of that there's just a lot of fluff on this show and it has a hard time reining it in um but then there's some clever stuff too like the way that they handled the mystery of claire bennett and what had happened to her and how that tied into a couple of the other characters on this show i thought that was really a really clever twist it does it takes a while to get there um but you know it's it's a pretty clever twist um i think that the actual ending of heroes reborn which i won't spoil if you haven't gone and seen it go see it and these two gentlemen have not seen it so i won't spoil it for you um i think that it does for me in a way if you if you view a few of the scenes in that finale and certainly one character in particular it does almost satisfy the promise that was originally set up in the beginning of heroes you know the big impetus of heroes was save the cheerleader save the world and that was the big tagline and you never really got a lot of clarity about why claire had to live and and you know like what does that what does that mean in the in the grand scheme of things and i i think that this finale kind of comes full circle on that in a lot of ways and i think that that's a really cool aspect of it um that being said I, I don't care for Heroes Reborn. I don't think that it should have happened. It did happen. I think it ended in a fairly satisfying way, and I hope that's it. I really, yeah, really, no. really for, no more. What we've heard, it is. Like, that's I, it. There's I not think that's be- it. Yeah, there's not going to be a hero's afterbirth. Well, 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 there probably won't be. I I really hope there won't be, but that won't be because Tim Kring doesn't want more heroes. Oh, yeah. Are you guys are you guys aware of um, the creator of heroes, uh, Tim Kring, who recently released a statement amid all of this talk that Heroes Reborn was canceled and all of this Um, here? Here is his statement. He says, I want to sincerely thank all of our fantastic Heroes Reborn fans for watching our latest volume. Our entire team here couldn't be more thrilled that you're going to finally get to see the series finale tonight, the biggest episode ever in the Heroes Saga to date. I've said from the beginning that Heroes Reborn would be 13 episodes long with a beginning, middle, and end. I know word has been circulating that Heroes Reborn has been canceled, but I want to assure you that tonight's finale is exactly the ending we've planned from the very beginning. I've also stated that if there was going to be more story, it would not be part of Heroes Reborn, but rather some future volume with a brand new story. Let me just say clearly for the record, the Heroes universe is designed to be large and multi-platformed. Heroes Reborn alone now includes six novellas, a series of comic books from Titan Publishing, and our two new games, Gemini Heroes Reborn and Heroes Reborn Enigma. I think that you will see that tonight's final episode clearly leaves the door open for us to tell more stories within the Heroes saga. We would be honored if you came along for that ride with us when we do. Uh, also, the, the head of NBC issued a statement and said, all of us at NBC are very much looking forward to tonight's exciting finale of Heroes are born. The show this fall was always envisioned as a 13 episode limited series, which comes to an exciting conclusion tonight. Uh, and the door remains open for future installments of this beloved 
series from Tim Kring. Um, so the door is open. The door is open for How more heroes. I want that. I want that. I, I, I want. I want to shut that door. Shut I think down. You're reading. I think you're reading too much. I mean, I don't know. The, the, I think you're not looking just, at the grander scheme of things even, because even the possibility of the door being open. I, I mean, I get that the story can continue in comics, in games. Yes. That's fine. Do that. Yeah, and I think that's the case. I think th- what but we're being the, hung up on. But the head on, of NBC is saying the door is open for more installments. Shut that door. Shut I that door that now, Bob NBC, NBC will still make money if it's licensed out to do comics and video games and stuff. So they, they want the door open in another avenue. I, I feel like this whole thing where when people are saying NBC is not canceled or NBC, HP, uh, Heroes Reborn is not canceled. It's because of that word canceled, which has become a naughty word uh, amongst TV these so days. Naughty. They don't say canceled anymore. They don't. They say, oh, Heroes was always a limited series, so it's reached its conclusion. It's not canceled. Uh, oh, this show um, isn't canceled. The episode order has just been cut. Um, they don't use that word anymore because it's a bad word for them. Um, so that's why I think we're getting hung up on them saying it's not canceled, but that's really just them being marketing as a marketing person. That is marketing marketing nonsense um yeah. so that is what that is i don't think you guys need to panic i don't it's only going to be in comics and video games i'm, I'm sure not, i don't think it's coming back i'm as not far panicking as i'm just making it clear <laughs> i'm just stating for the re- like heroes are born it ends in a way that i think you could walk away from heroes and be like all right good got it <laughs> no more just no just a blanket no more please no more heroes no more heroes no more heroes <laughs> no more heroes <laughs> no more mutants yeah uh but yeah no i mean yeah okay <laughs> that's that's all i'm saying please no shut that door let's let's call it let's call it friendo it's over it's done oh my god just uh, st- you call yeah to that uh, uh, you know note the time yeah. put the paddles down stop trying to bring yeah. her back yeah well i was wondering do you think there's any chance that i mean this is not a show it wasn't pulling good ratings i mean uh by the way legends of tomorrow got a higher got a higher rating than heroes finale did uh, and so now it's premiere versus finale, no big deal, but that's not probably ideal for NBC, uh, with this great show. I don't know that there's enough of a following for Netflix. I also think sense eight Netflix's original kind of programming is, is much more in line with the classic sort of heroes mythos. Sense8 uh, than, is so good. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't, I don't know that there's any room for it really anywhere. I, I agree, Kevin, with what you were saying about the first season, except for the last episode and, you know, all of these things that were great about Heroes that we talked about at length here. I just feel like it's run its course. I feel like we're at the end of our string. And even though uh, superheroes are the new kind of, seems like they're the new kind of zombie or they're the new kind of uh, pirate or whatever the, the thing is. It's like, you throw a superhero in it, it'll be fine. Um, I just don't think there's room for this show anymore. I think it's done. I think it's done. I think it's done. I think we're done as well, guys. We've we've run our course uh, talking about superheroes, talking mostly about Legends of Tomorrow, some Carter, some heroes. Either of you guys have any other final thoughts on these shows before we close out today? Um, I'm 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 really excited for Legends to to finish that pilot. I'm I'm actually I'm really pumped to to see more of the show. I'm very excited, guys. Yeah, Antonio, what's up? Anything. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm 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 loving it. I I really do like the crossover on Arrow and Flash. I I feel like watching those kind of at the same time and and rooting myself there, uh, knowing kind of where we were in the continuity made it a lot easier to deal with than the MCU dealing with the TV show. I like the way the DC is kind of putting those two things together. Um, it's certainly a bright spot in their universe. Let's put it that way. So uh, <laughs> I have hopes that I have hopes that 
that those shows will continue to be, uh, even though I think Arrow's fallen off a little bit. I think that I have hopes both of those shows will continue to be great. All right. Let's, let's uh, talk hashtag. Anyone, anyone got anything? Antonio, anything, anything leaps out to your mind? No, I, Randall I Savage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Randall Savage. I like that. All right. Hashtag Randall Savage. If you got to the end of this thing, yeah. Antonio, what are, what are we doing next week on most shows? Oh man, it's almost like I, I it's like uh, I want to believe that we've got a plan for this. Uh is it But trust no about, one, trust no one on that. <laughs> some X-Files, Josh, is that what's happening? Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk some X-Files. X-Files is returning much like how Heroes came back for a limited series. X-Files is coming back for a limited series. On a previous Mo shows recap, Antonio and I said we know about 30% of X-Files each. Um I'm coming <laughs> to realize I knew much less percent, but I'm working my way up towards an honest 30% thanks to a, a, a watch list put together by a great friend of the podcast, Brendan Fitzpatrick. Uh, so we'll talk about some, some X-Files, when it premieres. Premiering on Sunday, has its second episode on Monday night. We'll talk about it next week, uh, and we will have, I, I'm sure, a very good time when Rob comes back to the show and we talk about X-Files. I think it's going to be a really good podcast. Subscribe to what we're doing here, postyourrecaps.com slash iTunes for the general feed and postyourrecaps.com slash MSR iTunes for the most shows recapped feed. Uh, follow these guys on Twitter. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. Kevin is at Kev Mahadeo. I'm at Round Howard. Give us some hashtag Randall Savage. And Kevin, thanks so much for stopping by and giving us all your knowledge. You really, you truly did legitimize this podcast. Woo! No, I'm, I'm always glad to, to come in here and talk comics and, and educate the masses. All right. It'll, it'll happen again. Antonio, I love you, man. I love you too, Josh. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.